Today, we began a new chapter here at Burlington Baptist Church, and I have to tell you that uh, I am honored to be here today. Um, Like I said, it's been a journey. Um, I've prayed. I've been on my face. I've crawled. I've done everything I know to do, but God's brought me here and my wife, and I am so thankful to be a part of this church, and I want you to know that. As I uh, began to think about what are we going to do in the future, where are we going to go from here, you know? I, I couldn't find a mountain to go up on top of and try to have an experience like Moses. So what I did was I continued to pray and I consulted with some, with some folks. And, uh, and this was kind of a thing that God gave me. This, this thing that you see up here is our, is our mantra for the, for the coming weeks, the next four weeks. So you're going to be seeing these everywhere you go. And I'm going to get into that in just a minute. But I want to talk to you for a second about looking back. Now, you know, you can learn from history, right? They say if you don't know, learn from the past, you, you mess up and do whatever in the future again. But I want to tell you something. I did some research this week. I had Bonnie pull the archives out of Burlington Baptist Church. And I've been looking in directories, and I'm telling you what, some of you all looked amazing in 1980. Uh, your children were like this tall. It was, I sat in there for like an hour just checking these pictures out. It was such a blessing. And the amazing thing is that the people that were here, a lot of the people, big majority of the people that were in those directories are here today, and their children are here. And you know what? That says something about this church. It says something about this church. Um, I looked back in this, and I, so I started looking at the history of Burlington Baptist Church. Some of you know this. Some of you know this better than I do, uh, uh, or better you, you know about it. But I, I started reading this. Did you know, here we go, on November the 4th, 1842, a group of 16 people met in Boone County, Kentucky, at the house of Squire Scott with the idea of forming a church. Did you know that? 1842, man, that's a long time ago. And it says here that the records show that after they prayed and they praised God, they began to plan for the organization of a new church. I'm going to tell you something, man. They started out with the right priorities. They prayed and they sought God, and he blessed them. The records show they committed to each other. See that red one? Commit. That's what we're going to talk about today. This group of people were committed to each other, and no doubt it wasn't easy in 1842. But they were committed, and as they planned to meet, they had the support of two other congregations, Bulletsburg and Middle Creek. In January of 1843, we go around to the next year, 30 people made donations to purchase the building a lot, and construction began of a substantial brick structure, and they gave a hundred dollars. Oh my gosh. But you know what? A hundred dollars in 1843 was a lot of money. These folks were not only committed with their hearts and their minds and praying, they were committed with their finances as well. A group of ladies took up a collection, Lee, and you know what they bought? A church bell. How cool is that? Church with the bell, it was part of the t- at the time, bells were part of the church. And by 1843, they didn't just serve themselves. A delegation from Burlington Baptist Church was organized to help organize another church at Big Bone with 44 members. They had a vision. They were committed to each other, but they were also committed out. 
You see, they had a serving attitude. They had a serving attitude. And this church, as we reach into the future, that's part of what I believe is in our future is to serve. I shared this to, to tell you that we are a committed church to Jesus Christ. One of the most impressive things about this church for me the last eight years is the fact that we give and we serve others. And I'm not just talking about money. We had a logo at one time that said the church has left the building. My vision for this church is that we continue to reach people just like their vision was to reach the lost. Somebody say amen. These folks followed the Bible in their teachings and their vision for the church. And as, they, as we read the history of the Burlington Baptist Church, we notice that they had that desire to reach the lost, to serve the community. We too must have that desire, and I believe that the gospel message is to reach the world. Amen? In Matthew 28, Matthew 28, 19, this is what it says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's the Great Commission. And so as we look at these next few weeks, we're going to break it down into four weeks. First section is that we commit to personal growing relationships. The second week, we're going to look at coming together and bringing others. How many of you are here today because somebody invited you to this church? How many of you belong to this church, you remember, because somebody invited you? How many of you are here because your parents drug you? So I'm saying we got a little bit of that. You know, a big part of people coming to a church that they're not familiar with is because they come by invitation, right? They're invited. The third week, we're going to talk about connecting. Connect by doing life with others through life groups. And then the fourth week, we're going to talk about contributing our spiritual and our finances by contributing those. Check this out. A few years ago, a guy came to this church, and at one point since we've, since we've been here, since I've been here, in the last eight years, and I don't think it's a direct result of that, so don't misunderstand what I'm going to say. But at one point, we were supposedly one of the top three fastest-growing Southern Baptist churches in the state of Kentucky. And so we had people that would come in here at different times, and they would say, what are you guys doing? And I would say, we don't have enough sense to know. We're trying to follow Jesus, I can tell you that. I can tell you that. And they would say to me, what model are you using? And those of you that are familiar with corporate structures and so forth, there are different models, and there are different models about ministry. And I remember standing right over there by that railing and had a guy ask me, he said, what model do you guys use in this church? And I, you know, I, not being the whatever, I said, we're using the book of Acts. And he shook his head at me. But, you know, really, if you think about it, where else can, where, where's the best place to go than where it started? Right? If you look at the early church where it started and you look at the things that they did, it's a recipe for success in any church. You see, I believe that it still works. I'm just old-fashioned enough to believe that. And so today and for the next few weeks, I want us to look closely at those principles in the book of Acts. We're going to go back and review some of those. But the first one that I want us to look at is Acts chapter 1, verse 14. And I want you to notice what it says about the disciples. It said, they had a single purpose in mind as they devoted themselves in prayer. A single purpose. You ever been in a church where it's pulling in 40 directions? Have you ever been in a church where somebody's got their own agenda 
Come on. Have you ever been in a church where there was all these factions and they were all pulling different directions and, and it was so chaotic? That's not the way God wants his church to work. He wants us to be committed to one another and pulling in one direction. In this passage of Scripture, when you go to the next chapter, they were connected to each other, and they were growing together, and God was adding to the church daily. And you know what? He'll still do that. I believe that. Somebody say amen. The early church was committed to a personal relationship with Christ. How did that happen? They prayed together. They sought God's will. When was the last time that you had a situation in your life that was too big for you? Raise your hand. Yeah, probably in the last day or so maybe even, huh? Did you pray about it? Yesterday somebody said, yeah, absolutely. We've all had those moments, haven't we? Those times. And we give it to the Lord and we pray and we seek God's face. And as we go forward in this church, I want you to covenant with me that we're going to pray every day for this church and what God wants to accomplish here. Because you know what? It really doesn't matter what we want. What matters is what God wants in this place. There's a world out there that's dying and lost. And this Matthew verse that we're reading tells us what we're supposed to be doing. These folks in the Bible had a personal relationship with the living God, and it forever changed their lives. It wasn't just a religious experience. You know why people get excited about the Lord? Because they've been changed. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. Amen? And a relationship changes the way that we act, the way that we are. You know, um, when you talk about commitment, I saw this, and this is kind of a definition of commitment. And, you know, um, I, I always talk about her. She's a big part of my life. And uh, the love of my life is sitting on the front row here, and it's not Lee. <laughs> Although I love you, Lee. <laughs> I love Lee as well. He's a wonderful guy. But... But when I read this, when I read this, those of, of, of us that are in relationships, you think about commitment. Think about your, your spouse. Think about your children when you're committed to them. Think about what the word commitment means. When we say committed to the church, I mean, we think about commitment. Listen to this, and I thought about my wife because this is what she did for me and to me over the last 40 years. It says this, commitment is what transforms a promise into reality. It is the words that speak boldly of your intentions, commitment, and the actions which speak louder than the words. It is making the time when there is none, commitment, coming through time after time, each year after year. Commitment is the stuff character is made of, the power to change the face of things, and it is the daily triumph of integrity over skepticism. That's the thing I'm talking about. That's the kind of commitment that I'm talking about when I talk about our church. In the Bible, we're told instructed to do certain things. We're told to sing. We're told to, to do a lot of different things. But, you know, there's only one thing in the Scripture that I'm aware of that we're told to do without ceasing, and that's pray. So as we go forward and as we talk about this being committed with our church, we need to pray for one another because it's going to take all of us for this next chapter. This past week, 
Um, those of you that are sports folks, I, I, some of you know that I don't know a lot about sports, but I, I was saddened to hear about Pat Summit, the great basketball coach who passed away. And I went to Jeff and I said, man, this lady was fascinating. As I began to hear about her and the quotes that she had made over the years, she is the winningest coach in basketball of all time with 1,098 wins, eight national championships. Isn't that amazing? What a life. What a legacy. And there were all these quotes that I was reading in the, in the news that I, w- that I had, the paper that I had. And, and, and this, listen to this. This is what it says. The winningest basketball coach in history, both men's and women's, says this. You win in life with people. You see, you make a difference today. You make a difference in this church. Jesus set his kingdom up with people. The church is not a building. You've heard me say that before, and you're going to hear that again. The church is not a building. It is, but yet the church is a movement. It's the ecclesia. It's the body of Christ. And we are to love one another. You know, I realize that, that, that everything can't be perfect sometimes. And that sometimes we get sideways with each other. But when that happens, we should pray for each other. Amen? And we should work out our differences. The Scripture says that we're to love one another as the church. That's how they know that we're Christians. Sad that it's not always that way, isn't it? The other scripture in Galatians 6, uh, 6, 1 through 3, check this up. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you, should, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I don't even know what to say after that. I mean, it's pretty clear. We're to encourage one another and build one another up, not tear each other down. You know, sometimes in the church, you'll be doing something, and somebody will come up to you and say, well, you know, I didn't like this, and I didn't like that. And I've gotten to the point where anymore, and some of you know this, because you'll come to me and you say this, and I'll go, what do you like? I say it in love. The fact of the matter is we're to admonish one another. That doesn't mean that we can't call each other out if somebody's got a problem. But we need to be committed to each other, committed in love and in sharing. And in the future as we go forward, this church has done that. And I want us to continue to do that, to be committed as we go forward. You know, the Bible talks about being uh, uh, worshiping together. It talks about being in, in uh, fellowship together. It talks about praising together. But there's only one thing in the Bible that I've read that it says to do without ceasing. Do you know what it is? Praying. Praying. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Whatever happens, give thanks because it's God's will that you do that. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it is? The ultimate purpose of prayer is to bring glory to God. It's not about us. It never has been. Prayer is a constant throughout the Bible, a consistent thing. You see it, and it's like prayers in the human being's DNA, isn't it? On the news, when the tragedy happens, what happens? Our prayers go out. We hear about that. Pray for each other. You know, uh, prayer is one thing that we, we, we all share and we talk about it, but one thing that I've noticed about prayer is that 
Sometimes when I pray, it doesn't change the circumstances out there, but it changes me. It changes me. There's different concepts about prayer. I, uh, I, somebody brought me a plaque this week. I want you to read this plaque. Stick that up there. It kind of flows across the crowd, doesn't it, Jed? Well, that's one philosophy on prayer. I heard another story about prayer. I thought this one was kind of neat. A young boy called the pastor of a local corner church to pray for his mother who was sick with the flu. The pastor knew that the family had been attending another church. So he asked the little boy, shouldn't you call Brother Simon? And the little boy replied, well, we didn't want to take a chance on him catching whatever it is that mother's got. I mean, there's different ways to pray, I guess, but that's not what we're looking for. As we pray, we seek God's will for our lives. Think about it. Now think about it, seriously. When you bow your head to pray or when you whisper a prayer, the creator of the universe bends his ear to hear you. Man, that's amazing. That's great news. That's wonderful news. And you know what? There's people that don't know about that. And this church, as we go forward, we're going to commit and do our best to spread that message. Amen? Maybe some of you have never made a profession of faith to follow Jesus. That's a great starting point. You know, I, I thought about preaching this message about commitment, and I thought, you know, we've got 650, 700 people, and everybody's, a lot of folks in different places. A lot of folks are in different places. There are some here who have never made a profession of faith to Jesus. There are some here who have made a profession of faith to Jesus, but they've never been baptized. The Bible teaches that we should be baptized. There are some who have made the profession of faith to Jesus, were baptized, but they've never committed to do anything in the church. There are some who have committed to do things in the church, but now they've kind of taken a break. There are some who've committed to do things in the church, and they've taken a break, but God's leading them to do something else. You get what I'm saying? So when you preach a message like this about commitment, how does it all fall? Well, I'll tell you how I think it falls. It falls personally. Because God is working in each one of our lives, and we're in different places. It's not levels, folks. It's like a circle. And we're all in different places in the circle. And I want to tell you this, that as we go forward and we commit our lives and our, our, our message to the Lord, it's going to take every single one of us. We need you. The church needs you today. The church needs you today. What if everybody in this church got involved and used their gifts and graces to follow the Lord? We'd see a revival like you ain't never seen. Those folks that in 1842, they got involved, and it changed this community. We have so, ministry, so many ministries going on in this church, but you know what? There are a lot of ministries in this place that need help. Did you know that? We don't advertise it sometimes, and that's something that's going to change. We've got, we've got, we need help. And maybe you're sitting here going, what can I do? Well, I'll tell you what, call the office, and we'll hook you up. We will find you a job in this church. We will find you a, a job in this church. We need to be involved, but we need to listen 
it takes every one of us. In the book of Acts, they followed what the Lord led them to do, each one of them. And they were in one accord. And you know what happened? God blessed the church daily. We have a beautiful place of worship here. Are you committed to our church today? More importantly, are you committed to the Lord? A few years ago, we took a mission trip. A group of us from this church took a mission trip. And we went out to this church, and it was a church that was probably 100 years old. And it had a horseshoe-shaped balcony. It was absolutely stunning. It would seat about 350. And the reason that they called and asked us to come and help was because this church was running about 22 people. And they said, if we don't do something, we're going to have to close the doors. So we go out there praying and seeking God's will. And as we're setting up our stuff, the, the guy that leads the music comes over to me and he says, Brother Holland, we are so glad that you're here, but unfortunately everybody doesn't feel that way. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because you know why? This is my opinion, but because you know why? We were the face of change. The only person that likes change is the baby in the nursery in a church. We prayed. I'm telling you, man, you talk about commitment. I was a nervous wreck. I thought, what in the world? What in the world? My wife said, pray, relax. God's got this. Prayed all night. I mean, I pulled in everybody that was in the Burlington Baptist Bunch, and we prayed. And the next morning, we got up, and we went in that big, beautiful church with that 50-something-ranked pipe organ or 70-ranked pipe organ that we'd put our screen in front of to put the words on. And we started singing because we had committed ourselves to the Lord and to his message. And it was like the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came in that place, and people from Burlington Baptist Church were raising their hands I said, who are these people? (laughs) And the Lord moved in that place. He moved in that place. And every night we had a service. And I said to him, I said, on Monday, I said, uh, we're going to do communion. We're going to do the Lord's Supper. And somebody came to me and said, well, we can't do that. One of the members of the church. And I said, why? And they said, well, because we have these we have these, these things that we do. We only do that so often. And, and, and who's going to clean the tablecloth off? And who's going to? And what about those cups? They cost four ninety five dollars apiece. And what if we lose those? And, and, and this was a Bible school. And what about the kids? I mean, the kids. And, the, and I said, I'll tell you what. Every one of those cups that you lose, I'll pay for it. It was amazing. We shared the gospel. Four days and four nights preaching and singing and, and praying committing to those outside. We opened the doors of that church one night and was playing music, and the doors were open, and people were walking in from the street going, what's going on in here? We thought this place was closed. Right in the middle of a service. You see, when a church is following what God wants them to do, and they're committed to each other, and they they give up their own agendas, God will bless it. They collected all the cups at the end of it. I said, are any missing? How much money do I have to come up with? We got home. Jeff walks in my office. He says, hold your hand out. 
I held my hand out. I said, what is he doing? He dropped this cup in my hand. I knew what it was. It was a cup from out there. I said, where'd you get that cup? You know, you guys know Jeff Perry. He loves to do stuff like that. He said, you ain't going to believe this, but that cup just showed up. This is my priority cup, I call it. If you walk in my office, this sits on a shelf. And I look at that cup every once in a while because you know what? It reminds me of what really matters. By Friday night, there were about four or five young kids, young people in that church that gave their hearts to Jesus. The transition had taken place because people committed their lives, Chad, got out in the community, walked around and talked about Jesus, got outside the church and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. And on that Friday night, there were some young people that gave their hearts to the Lord. Now, I'm going to say this, and I don't want you to take this wrong, okay, because I've heard this falls on both sides of the fences. It's not just older people or younger people that get sideways about things they don't like. We all do it. Just so happens that out there it was some of the older ladies. And they came to me on that Friday night after the service. Well, I saw them. I was playing the music. They came down the aisle, these four ladies, and they put their arms around each other like a football huddle. And they prayed. And when it was over, I went up to him and I said, are you okay? Is there, is there? And the one lady looked at me, and she's gone on to be with the Lord now. But she looked at me and she said, we were praying for God to give us the grace to commit to this place to do what the Lord wants done in here and not what we want. And that's what I want to see happen in our church for the future. That's the first thing, is to commit. Will you do that today? You've done it. We've been doing it. God's blessed us. Let's don't give it up, okay? There's going to be things that are going to happen in the future that you may not like. There's going to be things that may not suit you just exactly right. But if we're spreading the gospel and people are coming to Jesus, let's keep going. You want to? Amen? So what about it today? Where are you? This is a time in our service that we come to in the Protestant church where we share um, communion. It's available on each side. But it's also a time where we just give you an opportunity to come forward if you want to pray on both sides here or you want me to pray with you or you want somebody else to pray with you. we got people in this church that love to pray, but this is the time of commitment as we go forward. Maybe you've never given your heart to the Lord. It's be a great day to do it. Independence Day, weekend, July 4th. What a great time. Maybe there's something in your life that you can't handle. You need to give it to the Lord. We'll pray with you. I'm going to ask you to stand. Maybe some of you aren't comfortable coming forward. I get that. In the pews in front of you, there are some cards. And those cards have a place where you can write on there. Nobody will see that but people that you give it to, me and Jeff, the pastors. And we will pray for you, and we will be happy to meet with you. Whatever it is today, maybe you just want to come and seek God to tell you what he wants you to do in this church. Come on, as, as we sing.